So welcome to another exciting edition of the uh, Decipio Bears podcast. The Bears have won, oh my God, three games in a row. Is it three games in a row? Three games in a row. Um, they've won more in a row than we have people on the podcast today. We don't know where Kyle is. Maybe Iowa. Was it Hurricane? Did Hurricane hit Iowa? Could have been. Uh, it's, so. not hur- it's not Hurricane or Tornado season, but, y- you know. Well, I don't know. Can you get one off the know. Mississippi? Can you get a hurricane in a river? It's a big river. Well, he's he's in Des Moines. He's not. He's off of uh, I don't know what body of. He's not by the Mississippi. He's in, he's smack dab in the middle of Iowa. I don't know where anything in Iowa <laughs> other than Dubuque is. Once I get to Dubuque, it's it's all South Dakota from there. So who cares? We'll have to. Uh, I stayed in Dubuque in 1996 when my brother and my dad and my nephew and I went to see the Bears train in Platteville. Oh yeah, of course well, Dubuque my, is right, right, so my right brother, across the river. My brother went to Platteville. Went to UW Platteville. So uh, really, yeah, we went up there and we would go up and go watch him train and then go go to the Hoist House. And if you waited like an hour after practice or less, players would start to wander in to drink. It was a pretty good time. No kidding. Yeah, I just remember Those we were the stayed glory in Dubuque days, at some old hotel. You see the coach. Yeah. You could sit on the same bar stool that the coach was on. Yep. Not at the same time, although get him, you know, maybe get him. <laughs> get his Pinot Grigio. Yeah, I remember being at a Shakey's in Dubuque. I'm like, I, like I walked into a time machine and it was 1977. Did you have to get reservations was, at a Shakey's in Dubuque? I would think that's probably the nicest got, restaurant. We, was anybody? We got, could, were the prom kids there? We got we got turned around because we didn't have a jacket on. Yeah. They would hand you uh, bib overalls. You'd have to change into them. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is a classy place. Put your bibs on. We were mortified. Uh, Iowa. It's like its own little weird country that I wouldn't want to visit. Nothing but corn. But yeah, Des Moines, Ames, if you look at a map, I had a buddy that went to Iowa State and we went out there a couple times. I mean, it's like literally in smack dab in the middle of the state, in the middle of Iowa. I like just how, metaphorically. I like how creative they are too because Iowa City is in is also in Iowa County. Wow. That's, that's a commitment to... That's like the that, that's like the Whatever. rare instance of a band. That's like the the rare instance of a band that has an album with the same name and the song a song of the same name, aka Bad Company and Porno for Pyros. There are a couple other examples. I did not know that that Iowa City was actually in Iowa County too. That's pretty funny. I believe that's true. If it's not, it should be. I'm pretty pretty positive. We'll hear from our Iowa contingent. Yeah, they can send. Not. They can leave us one of those voice messages, and we we'll put them on. Put them on next week after the Bears have won four in a row. Damn straight. So, the, not that not that their playoff chances are were all that great anyway, but they were dealt a tough break when the Rams unexpectedly won. Yep, because the. Bears are currently a game behind the Rams, and if they tie, the Bears lost to the Rams, so they have to finish ahead of, they can tie the Vikings and get in, assuming that they, because mostly they would have to beat the Vikings last week to have a good enough record, but if they if they tie the Rams, they're out. Now, yeah, they're effectively two games back of both, <laughs> both of them. Yeah, so they're screwed, and it's their own fault. And now Mitch Possibly. is... The best quarterback in the NFL, and it's too little to – well, maybe he's not the best. Well, no, but it is it is a little bit bittersweet that he had, I think, inarguably his best game of the year, right? They, they really just beat the shit out of the Cowboys, which was just an immense amount of fun. Any, anytime anybody beats the shit out of the Cowboys, it's fun, but especially when it's your team, the Bears. And – Yes, I mean, you can look at it and go, where was this all season? Or you could simply, I know what Kyle would say, which is you want to be encouraged because Mitch played well, but really all it 
all it's likely to have accomplished is it'll make it even less likely that they'll give him serious competition. They're like, see, he's good now. Although he does have three games against three good teams here to end the season where he could simply shit all over himself and remind everybody that he's really not very good. Well, that's right, because right now, Dallas, you can make the case that Dallas is an anomaly, because that is a good defense. They shit the tub, maybe. They may have had a bad game. Prior to then, though, he was uh, he was coming back against teams with porous defenses, Detroit twice, the Giants. Um, so either he passed the test against Dallas, or Dallas just didn't show up. It's only one game, so you can't just... But it is. It's the first good defense that he's done well against. But now, let's see if it's a repeatable skill. The the other thing that I guess was, I don't know, the other development in the Cowboy game was it was clearly Nagy's best game as a play caller. And one of the things that really stood out was, for the first time I can remember, they found a guy to pick on, and they just kept doing it. And it was Jalen Smith. If they could get Jalen Smith trying to cover anybody, they just kept going after him to the point where they ran the same play to Javon Wims twice, which he should have caught the second time, but he blew out his knee. Um, but I, that was yeah. encouraging because there was it, it seemed to be an actual, instead of him simply looking at his stupid Denny's menu and randomly picking plays, you could really, for the first time, see this play set up this play. This is a matchup where if we get it, we're going to go at it. And I'm sure maybe it was just more ob- – it had to just be more obvious because I can't believe he never does it. But it's it certainly seemed it was more – there was a more consistent purpose to the things that they did. Um, and then whether they encouraged Mitch to run or he just did, it's, it's pretty evident now after two years of him play- under Nagy that when he takes advantage of – when he gets a few – productive plays running he gets in a rhythm with everything and just makes him a better quarterback and it it keeps the defense honest and you know i'm right about very few things but i've been harping on that since even before the season started that you know they're gonna they're gonna face green bay this sunday and i think back to a year ago when they faced the the packers there was the same situation they were kind of slow moving early in the game i think it was a third down and uh, I, I was at the game. I threw a buddy next to me. He needs to, you know, he needs to run for a first down and loosen things up. And sure enough, on third down, drops back. And he did a lot more last year, but he did it. And you know, it just seemed to open things up. And this year, it was maddening how much he would go out of his way not to do it. Even when the play would break down, he would just become Grossman feet in the hmm. pocket and take take a sack. And but on Sunday and last Thursday, my God, it was. Uh, you, you know, I, I know long term that's not a recipe for success for a quarterback. You know, when he gets older, you know, you, you hope the hope is that he becomes comfortable back there and he sees secondary and tertiary receivers. But at this point in his career, that's a weapon. Freaking use it, whether it's by design or just coach him. Say, you know, first read's not there, second, put the ball down and run because he did it multiple times. Um, very effectively, most most significantly on the touchdown, but he did it several times in that game and all year long. I don't think he had done it more than once or twice a game, if at all. So, yeah, and I think the way he did it is is something that's sustainable. I mean, he's he's still only running a few times, and he's really only doing it when the the pocket kind of the the pocket opens around him, rushers lose, contain, get past him, and he just takes off. He's not, you know, he's he's not Lamar Jackson where they're running plays that are, okay, you've got this read. And if you don't get it, just run because you're right. There's some ridiculous thing. Like he has, he has the most runs in the NFL where he's gone 15 miles an hour or faster. I mean, they're actually, Lamar. yes, they're like timing. It's like him. And who was the running back? There's a running back. They're the, they're the only two guys who've done it more than a handful of times. You know, we know that's not Mitch. He's a good athlete. He's nobody no. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but it's I not like you're... other than that weird, the weird option they ran in the last whatever game that was against the Saints, I guess, where he just ran straight down the line and kind of out of bounds. There's they don't really call anything for him to run, so it's just up to him to recognize there's enough room for him to go, 
And he doesn't, when he does that, he shouldn't get really hit. So, you know, he could do it all the time. Although they they do the weird, you see a lot of quarterbacks do it, and I just find it annoying, where they'll do do the RPO, and the quarterback will have a little seam and run a couple of yards and immediately slide. That's like, all right, I mean, save that for, you know, you can get hit once in a while. Lower your shoulder, get a yard. You know, you don't have to. Yeah, you're right. I think I think it was that was just coached out of him though, until until lately. So you're right. I mean, they're not they're not calling it by design. They don't have to, but it's just have that option. Let them do it. And I just I think Nagy had coached him out of that early in the year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't well, imagine. I mean, I think it's probably it could be a lot of things. It part of it could be that if if he if he had gotten to the point where he wasn't going through his progressions because he's like oh, I'm just going to run. At some point, to become a good NFL quarterback, he was going to have to continue on with the reads. If some of it was Mitch going, I'm a serious quarterback now, I don't need to run, that's not good. Um, It's probably some combination of the two. Them encouraging him more to hang in the pocket and let a play develop instead of, oh, there's a seam I can run. And then him, because he's not the brightest bulb, we know that, not being able to tell the recognize the difference, and this is a play where I need to stay in here because this guy's going to come open. And holy crap, there's six easy yards. I should just get them. At some point, you have to have played enough to figure out when's a good time to just you know don't even risk the throw, just take the yards. And that it seemed to be completely gone. Where he would just there it would open up in front of him, and he would just kind of stand there. Or start to run, but then try to run parallel to the line of scrimmage because he still wanted to be able to throw. He did all kinds of weird right. stuff. Taking half measures. Right. And I don't know how much of that was him or how much of that was coaching or that was him misunderstanding the coaching. I mean, I I, I don't know how good, even though they've got all these guys that are coaching Mitch. You've got, you know, you got Nagy, you've got Dave Ragone. You've got Mark Helfrich. Um, I think Brad Childress is still around, at least sometimes. He is. And I almost wonder if some of that is, you know, I think Mitch would have trouble if one person was telling him what to do. I can't imagine (laughs) him with four people with slightly different approaches to things. It's, I don't know. There was, um, i got to find my... I actually took, left a note for myself. That's how sophisticated I was in this one. So there was a... Um, on ESPN Plus, they have this thing called... Uh, it, for, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the NFL, they have this thing called Peyton's Places, where Peyton Manning goes around the country and does these kind of like tongue-in-cheek breakdowns of the history of football. And so they did the one where he came to Chicago and Robert Smigel and um, George, George Wendt reprised the the super fans and he, he talked with them and they, they baptized him in um, Italian beef juice. And they've, some of them have been pretty funny. Well, they had a a pretty good one. This last one where um, he went to, um, it was about Vince Lombardi and he went to the rest stop on the New Jersey (laughs) turnpike. That's named after Vince Lombardi. And did you know, I didn't I didn't know this, did you know that it's illegal to pump your own gas in New Jersey? You have uh, to have I, an I heard that recently. I think it's Oregon and New Jersey not, are the two not states. Not Oregon anymore. Oregon, anymore. Uh, going back to New Year's Day 2018, oh. I believe they repealed it. I, I was in Oregon. My sister, my sister, yeah, my sister, people blowing themselves up. My sister lives in Oregon, and we were out there for a vacation in 2017. Yeah, it was very strange, you know. Uh, force a habit you get out of the car and no 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 okay get 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 in there we're gonna pump it for you but then i recently heard i was in a discussion with somebody yeah new jersey is the other state where um not even if you wanted to pump your own gas you don't have that option Yep, you're not allowed um i dated a girl from um she's from lincoln nebraska and her mother had never pumped her own gas and there was only one full service station left in lincoln and so if, if if Kathy was driving and was starting to run out of gas, she had to go to that station. <laughs> if if her husband was with her, then she would just make Bob do it. But um, 
Yeah, that's funny. I'm like, so do you know how? That's great. I mean, if you really had to, could you do it? And she's like, I, I guess I could figure it out, but you know, I made it this far. Why bother now? I'm like, well, I, yeah, I guess. Um, that's true. So then, one of the things they did on the show was he went to Green Bay, and um, he met Brett Favre, and they drove around Green Bay in in the Corvette that Bart Starr got for being the MVP of Super Bowl One. And they went to Vince Lombardi's old house and knocked on the door. So some guy answers the door, and there's Peyton Manning and Brett Favre asking if they can come in and see the house. And they went down into the basement, and the basement is exactly, it's still the wood paneling and the bar that it was in the 60s when Vince lived there. And what they did was actually really cool. They had footage of a party Vince threw in his basement hours after the ice bowl. And they were showing the footage, and then they were showing Peyton and uh, Brett standing in the same spots in the basement. But then the, the whole this whole long torture story gets to this. They decided they they watched film of old Packer stuff in Vince Lombardi's basement, and one and it was actually pretty funny. They were showing an instructional video that the Packers had made, where Vince Lombardi is explaining how a young quarterback should take the snap, and. Um, Bart Starr is mimicking whatever Vince is talking about, and Bart does not look real enthused, which Favre thought was hilarious. He's like, How, "How'd you like to be? How'd you like to be Bart Starr and have to do this?" But one of the things Favre talked about was because Baton said they don't teach kids to do this anymore, and Favre's like, "No, they don't." He goes, "I coach youth football, and we needed to take a snap just to end the game, and we they took it out of the shotgun." You know, the kneel down, they got in the shotgun to take it. He's like, they don't even wow. know how to do that. And I just, and I immediately thought of Mitch <laughs> as soon as he talked about it. I'm like, honest to God, it's something that I'm not, that I'm actually kind of surprised Mitch didn't have to do. And whatever the, you know, one of the games they may have actually won under Fox was, I got to do what now? Yeah, you have to stick your hands in right up under Cody's balls. And he's just going to, he's just going to put the ball in your hands now. But I did think that was funny, and I could see that. I mean, especially in, you know, youth football where they mostly are, uh, they play so much seven-on-seven seven where you don't even have a center. Or I guess, I don't remember how they do it. Maybe they just throw no, but and start. Not, but then, not even. then when they're just all, everything's out of the shotgun, they couldn't even run the really? victory formation without having to do the shotgun. That's interesting. Also, I was really hoping that, this story would involve some inappropriate story about Jerry Kramer asking someone if she's ever seen a pulling guard. Sorry. So Jerry Kramer is in that episode too. He, uh, Peyton, um, draws up the Packers sweep and Jerry, uh, walks him through it. He's got it on the chalkboard and Jerry's walking through, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, the, when I, when I played high school football, me and Al Bundy, um, Yes. Our our football coach was from Potosi, Wisconsin, and he idolized uh, Vince Lombardi to the point where we had we only had one play. We had, I guess we had two plays in the playbook that didn't have a number. They didn't go by the normal numbering system. It was the whole. It was Packer sweep right and Packer sweep left. Um, and then we also had a we had a gimmick play for two point conversions called the jockstrap, which never didn't work. It was just an amazing play. But um, and that was, and we ran it exactly the way it was as Jerry was drawing it up and and talking about, you know, there's some weird blocking assignments in the sweep. The guard comes out and actually goes after the cornerback, and then the backside guard comes out to get the end. I mean, it's all that stuff. I just it was really interesting. So um, I'm not the biggest Peyton Manning fan. But I do think he's really, he's really good in the show. This is like the perfect use of him and his smart-ass um, sense of humor. So I don't know where I was going with that. Huh. I guess I was going with the Mitch no, having to like take. It. I'm surprised they don't have to line up in the freaking shotgun to kneel at the end of games. That's that is interesting. I hadn't considered that. So is it Manning that's coaching youths? Uh, so so. It was it's far common nowadays. First of all, it was far far down so in Mississippi. Common, they were it's taking. common nowadays. Okay, so seven on seven used to always be what you'd like, always kind of assume would be happening out in Wyoming in places that had sparse. Oh, no, 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 seven on that's that you're thinking of like you're thinking of eight man football. Seven on seven is yeah. basically 
it, you almost run it. It's players do it during the summer. It's football out the lines, okay, and they it's have more, these, it's a drill. And well, they have these tournaments, and um, it's just it, it was it was invented basically so teams could work on the passing game over the summer. But it's gotten it. it's gotten competitive. It's a good way. It's a great it's a great way to train your secondary and your quarterback and your receivers. And um, it, but there is no. You know, that's how quarterbacks get most of their reps during the summer. They don't have to worry about taking a snap at all in seven on seven. Huh. See, this is Fun kind of hard about football. Bar- we can talk when Kyle's not weighing us down. Right. He's not barging in with all of his defensive value over average. Fun fact about Vince Lombardi. I don't know if you ever read the biography when Pride Still Mattered. It came out about, you know, written about 15, 20 years ago. David Moran. He played at Fort. Wrote it. Yes. He played. Lombardi played at Fordham. These are the kind of factoids that I personally love. He played at Fordham. He was one of the seven blocks of granite. Apparently Fordham had a hell of a football team uh, when Lombardi was there in the third. So Lombardi was one of the seven blocks of granite, the famed um, whatever they were. But their coach was Terry Crowley, who was one of the four horsemen of Notre Dame, who coincidentally enough hailed from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, if let's roll out the bones of Paul Harvey to let everyone know that they now know the rest of the story. So I, this is relatively common knowledge, and they, I guess, and they talk about it during the thing. But in the uh, when the uh, Colts won the greatest game ever played against the Giants, Giants in NFL overtime. Championship 1950. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Landry was the Giants offensive coordinator. And Vince Lombardi yep. was the Giants' defensive coordinator, and they were roommates whenever the team traveled. So how about that? Wow. That I didn't know. Like a fun pair to hang out with. Yeah. Well, especially Landry. I mean, Lombardi obviously was a bit of a – I don't know. I mean, I mean, Landry was like a Puritan. I don't think Lombardi was like a party animal, but I think he was. Uh, so you suppose you think Tom like slept with that hat on, and then Vince had his <laughs> pants pulled up to his nipples all the time. What the hell is going on out there? <laughs> my pants have ridden all the way down to my waist, Tom. What the hell is going on around here? <laughs> <sighs> so there was another. While we're on the topic of TV football coaches. Um, there was a. It was on the other night, and I just watched it tonight on HBO. They have a. Um, it's like an hour and fifteen minute special of Bill Belichick and uh, Nick Saban just hanging out talking football because they're they're friends. It goes way back, even farther than I thought it did. I knew that Belichick or uh, Saban Cleveland. was Belichick's defensive coordinator with the Browns, but their relationship goes back even farther than that and it was pretty interesting and they were talking about Saban said the thing he learned in the NFL that was most beneficial to him in college was and he said it it didn't happen until um, he was with the Dolphins because he went from he went from the Browns to Michigan State to LSU then to the Dolphins then to Alabama was he said, you'd gotten so used to, in college, teaching your players, your position groups, how to play the exact same way. You know, your defensive backs. This is how we backpedal. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. And he said, then you get, you go back to the NFL, and you get, you basically get given players. You know, the owners pay the players, and they're yours, and there's no change in them. And you have to learn how to coach individual players, and just take what they do best and get that out of them. And he said when he went back to Alabama, he took that with him to get more out of players instead of saying, this is the way we play this at Alabama. He said there's some of that, but then there's, what does this guy do best? And how do we fit our scheme around that? Which it seems like the simplest thing for coaches, but but very few coaches actually do it that way. They've learned a certain way to teach something, and they're just going to teach that regardless of who the player is. The player has to adjust to them. And then he talks about, you know, he has a lot of turnover with assistant coaches. They, you know, they get head coaching jobs, and then they take some of the assistants with them, and he's constantly putting, or he he cans a few, like he will this year because they didn't make the playoffs. Um, He said, you know, you're bringing like a new offensive coordinator, 
and he's got his system and you're like, okay, well that's fine. But this is what we, this is how we call plays. This is the, what we use. And we've got a hundred guys in this room who call it that way. And then we've got you. So it's a hell of a lot easier for you to learn how to call it the way they know it than for you to teach a hundred guys how to do it your way. But the, the, the thing that stuck out on this show again was, so they had, they had Belichick and Saban talking and it's really interesting. I know they're both, you know, they're both kind of pricks, but they're obviously great football coaches and they're, they have, they actually have, they actually have personalities. They just don't like to show very often. Belichick, especially. I agree. Um, but they also had guys who they would intersperse for a little bit with guys who had worked with them telling short stories about them. So I didn't realize Jason Garrett was on the dolphin staff with Saban, but then they roll huh. out cause it's, it's, it's apparently law that when you talk about Belichick, Mike Lombardi pops up, comes out of the, oh boy. the smoke clears and he appears and I was just waiting for it because he has this one quote that he used to talk about all the time on his podcast that he brings up all the time on his show on VEASAN. And it's a quote that A, he always gets wrong and that B, it's been debunked about the person that he thinks said it. So he says the quote is an old Marcus Aurelius quote. The secret of all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. He loves that quote. He says it all the time. But a little research shows that the guy who actually is credited with saying that was a guy named Oswald Spengler, who is most famous. He was, um, they have him listed as a historian, a pessimist, and here's a real feather in your hat, one of the first Nazi sympathizers. So maybe that's a quote that Mike Lombardi ought to retire. (laughs) Marcus Aurelius it is. So anyway, there's that. Um, wow, no, that is interesting. That's a good point. Uh, I don't hate it either of those guys. I know everyone likes to make them the boogeyman. Actually, Saban's kind of weird, but I, I admire Belichick, man. I just and it's funny because like twenty three years ago, when he was with the Browns, he was like getting laughed out of Cleveland. He was like, you know, can't have any success without Bill Parcells. You know, and it's just funny how things change. Around the same time, Pete Carroll was this nondescript coach. He's with the Jets. He's with the. I I don't know what my point is. It's just funny how sometimes you get the right opportunity to to shine. Yeah, Belichick is clearly. You know, and Belichick did. He did a really good job in Cleveland. And they became a playoff Took them to the team. They won, and they won a playoff game. And he got, he coached them their last year in Cleveland, and they basically cleaned house when they moved. They just decided yeah. they were going to start over, which yep. was, you know, completely nonsensical. Um, but he and he and Art, I don't think, got along great, as you could expect. But he he had had enough success that it didn't make real sense for them to fire him. Um, but they're the Browns. And they just parted ways, though. He was there for five. He left after that second Super Bowl in nineteen ninety. So I think he was with Cleveland for five years. But yeah, it could have been that, that one con- playoff they appearance. Give him. They did the Dusty Baker. His contract ran, and the Joe Madden His contract oh, Joe ran out. And you don't fire the guy. You just all of a sudden and somebody else know- is in his office. Right, and I know he took him to the playoffs, but it wasn't like they were exceptional. I mean, they were better prior to him getting there. They made the AFC title game three times in four years in the late 80s. Well, there was a gleam. There was a gleam, man. Well, and then Marty. he kind of he went back to Parcells, and then he stiffed the Jets, and you know, and then the rest is history. But it's just, I, I often think about that. I mean, the same goes for Lombardi, too. I mean, when Lombardi took over Green Bay, he was past middle age. I mean... You know, it's it, it's it's just kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you get the right opportunity uh, to shine, and, and he's taken full advantage of it. I mean, you talk about a guy that, you know, coaches to the talent that he has. Belichick does that in space. He would take Troy Brown, who is a, a defensive back, and, make, you know, put him in the offense. And um, I, 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 I'm an unabashed admirer of Bill, of Bill Belichick. I, I I make no apologies for it. I know it's easy to hate him. It's like rooting for Microsoft or General Motors. Um, no, I 
I like him. And, and 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 you're right. He does have a personality. It's not that he doesn't have a personality. It's that he doesn't want people to see it. And who can blame him? He's got a fucking job to do, and he's the best at it. So and he basically has just decided what's the, that. There's no upside in it for him. That it it's time away from doing what he really wants to do, which is just coach football. Right. So he becomes as churlish as possible, and all of a sudden those. Uh, post-game press conferences last, you know, three minutes, and then he's done, and he's on <laughs> to something else, and he's given them nothing. So, uh, yeah, I like I, 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 I like that about him too. Yeah, I mean that whole. So in those two shows, we had two guys that I I enjoy, um, I admired. I always I admire them, but I always enjoyed when they failed because I'm you know just a dick. Uh, Brett Favre, who had he been a bear, would have been the most popular bear player of all time. I mean, he certainly oh, sure. him and Peyton would have been the because you know he was one of those guys who we hated him because he was he was, for a long stretch he was just kicking the bears' ass. They couldn't. He didn't lose. A, he, didn't, he didn't lose a single game between 1994 and 1999. Yeah. Um, and then you couldn't really you couldn't even enjoy any of it because he was in Green Bay. But, you know, he he actually, you know, and then he got the whole John Madden, oh, he's just a kid running around having fun. And he got sick of that, too. But he really was. And then Belichick, who, if he was your coach, you know, you would, ha- you would have supreme confidence every game that you were gonna, your coach was going to outcoach the other team's coach, no matter who you faced, which I don't think we have that um, confidence. <laughs> With uh, now, uh, an old Captain Visor over there, right in the Shoney's menu. Although, yeah, Nagy has saved a little bit of face the last few weeks. I'm not, I'm not coming all the way back to where I was. You know, I'm not 180 degrees from where I was a month ago when I'm like, he's done, he's overmatched. Um, but he's he's restored a little bit um, of his. I don't know. What's yeah, I mean, they really they hadn't accomplished anything until they beat Dallas because beating right. beating Detroit twice and beating the Giants, you know, whoopty fucking do. Um, and then Dallas obviously has issues. You know, they're a, they were only they were a five hundred team when they rolled in, uh, but at least it's that's a talented team. And it was a convincing win. Yeah. It wasn't and like, the way they beat them was impressive. Right. Especially, it wasn't like they came struggling in the in the it was like you have it. No, you take it. You take it. No, the Bears freaking kicked their teeth in. Especially now that they're playing with their third and fourth string inside linebackers. Although one thing that's just mind boggling about the Cowboys is they did it they did it on Thanksgiving against the Bills and then they came right back and did it against the Bears is they feature Zeke on the first drive and he shoves it down the other team's butt the whole way down and then they just completely ignore him the whole rest of the game which is a huge favor for a team especially a team that doesn't have Danny Trevathan or Roquan Smith to not and Akeem Hicks right to just not even bother to try to run the ball is uh, you know it's like hey thanks um yeah, I mean, so yes, Nagy has has restored you know a lot of people's confidence in him. So is Mitch, but now they're going to go Packers, Chiefs, Vikings, and they yep. could they're either going to extend that confidence into the off season or they're going to completely obliterate it, and we're going to be right back to where we were three weeks ago, which was Mitch can't play and Nagy's a fraud. Yep. So we'll see which way it turns out. The you know the Packers defensively dominated the Bears on opening night. Seems like that doesn't seem like that was this season. That's been so long ago. They couldn't the Bears couldn't do anything. The Bears did not try to run the ball against Green Bay at all. And then obviously the Packers have won a lot of games, but their defense has not been that impressive. I think it gives up an average of six yards a play, which is not great. Um but teams started to actually score on them when they decided to just to run the ball. And so this will be another chance for Nagy, where it's going to have to prove, you know, that's a proven way to get yards against the Packers, but you have to actually do it. And if they're, if he gets discouraged again after just a couple of carries, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. 
Um, the Packers' offense is obviously better than it was in week one. The Bears' defense dominated them just as much. There was only the one touchdown drive in the whole game. Um, right. But the Bears' defense is not the same. You know, you've got two different guys in the middle of the defense. You will get Hicks back, which is... Is Hicks... Know, I was going to ask, is Hicks... Uh, I have not been paying close attention to the report. Actually, as soon as I said that, I thought, I think he's coming back. I've been too busy... Um, bitching about the Cubs trying to trade Chris Bryant to really focus <laughs> on anything else. Yeah. Um, they have sort of dominated the news cycle. But and the other thing is, and I'm sure I missed it because, it, you know, something's had to have been said. Has there been a definitive word about Roquan? Is he yeah, he tore, his, he tore his peck. He's done. He needs surgery. Oh, Jesus. He needs surgery right. to, this is the first time. To face it. It. So Okay. So um, that's with Trevathan, is he? I know that he was. I know Trevathan's arm was bent like backwards, and he was put on IR. But nowadays, IR doesn't always mean the rest of the season. He has because like Hicks was put on IR, and he's going to be back. All right. So the injury report. Um, I'm looking at it now too. Oh wait, no. The one I'm looking at is last week's. Oh, that's helpful. So that's not going to... Uh, Amuka Mora should be back. Full participation. So what, do they well, have... I hope... A, have, have they already declared they Trevathan even, out? Uh, no. I, I don't know about the year. Just, they have him listed. I'm looking at something on injuries for week 15. Just just says did not participate. But I don't know that he's actually been declared out for the year. I'm, I, I'm assuming he's not able to come back just judging by the fact that his arm was bent completely the opposite direction on that play. I need to go to another site here. Um, yeah, they don't have to I list. I see that Roy Robertson here is, but he's. They don't have to list um, Hicks yet because he's still on. They haven't. They haven't. He was on injured reserve designated to return, but they haven't designated him to return yet, which means they don't have to put him on. Like on the injury report, he's still injury reserve. So okay. him not showing up doesn't mean that he's not going to play, but it also doesn't give you doesn't show well, if he did. So then I, assu- somebody, I, assu- I guess the I assume that they never machine, did put Trevathan. I, I don't think they put Trevathan okay, well, on the on IR. They just well, they, well, they didn't because based on what you said, he appears on the injury report. So, so following your logic. It, it, if he was on injured reserve, he would not appear on that report. So they're holding out hope uh, that he can come back. Not that Kwiatkowski has been awful, but now that Smith is out, it'd be nice if they could have Trevathan back in there. Mm-hmm. That's like looking stuff up while we're... Uh, here's Packers expect Akeem Hicks to play Sunday. The Packers do? Yes. Well, they should expect him. So, six hours ago, the Sun-Times tweeted, Bears hope Akeem Hicks will come off injured reserve in time for Sunday's game. The Packers, meanwhile, are planning on it. So, Okay. So, they're planning for Akeem. So, maybe even even if he doesn't play, they'll have had to have spent practice time preparing. I guess that's not a thing. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't, <laughs> right. That doesn't really matter. Although, early in the year, you know, he was injured... He, he he suffered an injury in London that put him where he's at now, but he had a, a separate – no, it was the Saints. I'm trying to remember now. He got hurt He twice. had an injury right. where he was questionable. Right. Yeah. The, and when he was questionable, they were prepared. He, he still played, right? He played against the, the Vikings. It was the Vikings game. Or did he, he didn't play. I, I don't like think he, he did play. I feel like he, he missed well. one. I feel like he he missed a game, missed came back, and then, got, and then got hurt again. Got hurt. The, and yeah. got, got so to he did miss that Vikings game, transcontinental flight or what is it? Intercontinental Which, flight with a fucked yeah. up elbow. I'm sure that's a lot of fun. So and I don't know. You can't put too much stock in it. The guy's been out two months. So even if he does play, you can't expect him to just, you know, be the big fat run stuffer, you know, that he's been. But I expect you know. him to dominate because he's so well rested. Well, Roy Robertson Harris has been out, right? So it's not like, you know, it'd, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if if Akeem can play. Yes, he's only play, he only he's Inspired. only played in three games this year. 
Um, and in, he barely played in the. It was relatively early in the Oakland game, and he got hurt in the Raiders game. Yep. So he played against the. So, he played against the Packers and the Broncos. Um, and then so the he Redskins. played the first two games. Then he missed two. Did he, did he miss the Redskins game too? Yes, no, he, he played. Not. That's. He's not. Redskins is week three. His game log has three games on it. Green Bay, Denver. So he didn't play against the Redskins. Wow. Unless he just didn't make All a right. tackle. But uh, okay, so this is one of those conversations where people listening to the podcast are yelling at the at their phone. Right? Don't you assholes do any homework before this thing? Well, they should know. This is week what fourteen. They should know that by now. That no, we don't. Right? You don't really come here for that hard hitting, especially since Kyle's not on. The you're show. not paying. You're not paying us for our research. You're, you're paying us for stories of Tom Landry bunking with Vince Lombardi. <laughs> In the same, they reenacting the planes, trains, and automobiles thing. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a yeah, old, move over Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Vince, where's your hand? Where's your other hand? That's oh, between these two pillows. Those aren't pillows. How about the, how about the, it could be the exact, it's probably based on that. No, no, like, how about the Bears? Oh, they got a hell of a team. Yeah, hell of a yeah. team. Right, right. So that's what people will learn from this podcast that that scene from Place Chains and Automobiles actually happened to Tom Landry. It inspired, and right? It's some roadside motel in a Schwabenon Green you know, And what the part they left out was that Vince was able to uh, very early detect uh, prostate cancer in Tom Landry. Got it? <laughs> Tom got it, got it treated and was able to coach for decades in Dallas. So, had only the roles been reversed, Vince Lombardi might have led the Redskins right. to a Super Bowl oh, instead of George Allen. If only, if just think, if Vince had been the little spoon instead of the big spoon, <laughs> things would have been so much different. Uh, I think we've officially jumped the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, looking ahead, which we were already were kind of doing. Uh, do you have any idea what the point spread is? Oh, it's Bears. Well, I can talk. Bears at Green Bay, and much to my surprise, it's a noon kickoff, which are my favorite kickoffs. Mine too. I was thinking this was a gonna that Fox would push this back to since the Bears are in the hunt. I thought they would push the it hunt. back to three, but they must have a better game. At the and game. they uh, and they have not. They decided probably because the Bears won last week to not flex. Oh, they have Rams. The Dallas. subsequent. Anytime you can get okay. the freaking Cowboys. Well, we'll get to watch that game then around here, which, you know, we'll be interested in. But the Bears also, because they're in the hunt, quote-unquote, uh, did not flex the subsequent week's Kansas City game, which is the only game I'm going to this year, because um, that would have been done by now. Of course, it's possible by the time they kick off that game, the Bears will have been eliminated. Let's hope not. But to answer your question... Andy, uh, I was still stunned, although it made sense, your explanation, that the Bears were dogs at home last week because, you know, Vegas counts on um, Dallas putting stupid money on them. But that was only the third time, I want to say, that the Bears were underdogs because uh, Philadelphia and uh, the Rams. So they're certainly dogs. If you want to give me a number, I'm going to tell you, want me to give you a number, that they're going to be five-and-a-half-point underdogs. You are you're very close. Um, the Westgate Six. Westgate has a five point underdogs. Everybody else has them four and a half. So you can go oh, shopping, okay. go to Westgate, and you can get five. And the over under is pretty consistent across the board. It's either forty and a half or forty one. So I wow. am of the opinion that the Packers are not that good. Agreed. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I hate the Packers. I think the NFC is clearly the Niners, the Saints. I would have said the Seahawks, but considering how they completely shit the tub and let through a lifeline to the Rams, I'm, I might just draw the line at the Seahawks and Saints. But I've been thinking it for weeks that the Packers are a paper line, and the Vikings probably are too, but the Vikings might even be better than Packers. So... Um, I agree with that observation. I, however, I will also admit that I was—I didn't think that the 49ers were any good for a long time, until 
Until they beat the crap out of the... The way they beat the Packers was delicious. Roger threw for, what, 102 yards or whatever? And then, obviously, they've impressed. Yeah. They've impressed pretty much every week since then. They had the shootout they, against the Ravens, and then they won that ridiculous game Sunday against the Saints. So, the Niners are... Right. Well, the Ravens game wasn't a shootout. That was actually a slog. Um, oh, that's right. That was the crap. And, that was the crap weather. Yeah, but it was. But I, I, I took a glance. I took a glance um, because I'm not very in depth with my analytics. <laughs> but just, just kind of looking at point differential and you know points for and points against. I mean, it's only one metric and doesn't factor in a lot of other variables like strength of schedule and who you're playing. But uh, San Francisco has the most points scored in the NFC, 397, and they also have the fewest points allowed, uh, 229, which is only three points fewer than the Bears, but they're they're the class of the NFC. I mean, they got the money's got to be on them to, to get to the Super Bowl. And it's, interestingly enough, Baltimore has the same thing going on in the AFC. They by far have the most points. Points four, four hundred and thirty. No team's got four hundred, and uh, Baltimore's actually not by far. They've they've allowed two hundred thirty six points. There are a handful of AFC teams that have allowed fewer, but looking like it might be a, a rematch of uh, the Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick Super Bowl, which would be interesting if John Harbaugh took a, a different quarterback to the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Niners, anyway, the Niners have scored a hundred and fifty more points than the Bears. <laughs> Yeah, the Jeez. Bears have the second fewest points for in the NFC, I believe. Yeah. If I if my math was correct, now they have the only given up two hundred and thirty-two points. So the only team, well, is, only the Niners have given up fewer than the Bears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know we knew that going into the year. We didn't think the offense would be that. No, it wasn't lame. supposed to be this bad. But we did. You know, the defense is about where uh, we would expect them to be, which. Gives me a little bit of a little bit of optimism. I, I do think Green Bay is a paper tiger. I think they got off. You know, they kind of remind me of these Ditka era Bears. You know, remember after the Super Bowl, you know, uh, with the Bears, every year they'd like sweep through the schedule in September. They'd always be about seven and two, eight and three, kind of rolling through. This is like eight, 1986, 87, 80, same thing every year, and they would start to peter out get blown out like on a Monday night in December in San Francisco and just limp into the playoffs and then get dismissed. And I, I kind of, you know, I'm probably drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm kind of seeing the Packers like that now. I mean, the record looks good, uh, but they, they, you know, they haven't been playing that great. I, I watched that Giants game. It took them a while to put the Giants away. I know it took a while for the Bears too, but the Bears, you know, were still finding their own way. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bears and the points, but uh, and I it might be the Kool Aid or these uh, these two brothers IPAs that I've uh, been consuming in the last 45 minutes. But I got nothing else to lose. I mean, why not? Why can't the Bears keep this going before you know they break our hearts by not doing anything wrong except make us think back to that god awful. Los Angeles Chargers game, which is going to be the game that's going to haunt us all off season when they miss the playoffs by one game. But at least for another week, I say they stay alive. They're going to knock off the Packers in Lambeau. Wow. Book it. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Um, Twenty-one to seventeen. They're going to they're going to hit Rodgers eating turf. They're not going to score a lot, but they're going to keep Green Bay from scoring. So I I agree. I think they'll I I think they'll cover. I think they'll either. They'll either lose or win a close one. I, yeah, I'm sure it'll come down to uh, Eddie Pinero and who can possibly bet against uh, the great Eddie Pinero. Who I ask you, who? Um, so it's funny as you were talking about comparing this to a Ditka era team. I had in my mind, and I, as many things, you know, as a as a youth, they I got seasons combined. I remember a um, a Sports Illustrated cover. With Jim Harbaugh on it. And I thought that it was a year that the Bears started 4-0 and then crapped out. Um, Happened a lot. While you were talking, I looked it up. I found the cover. 1992, Good News Bears with uh, Harbaugh 
it looks like he's being sacked, which is an interesting uh, cover when you're showcasing the Bears. Because um, <laughs> the Bears won a it's a last-second win over Detroit. And Sports Illustrated felt like we're going to put Jim Harbaugh. The, for, that was the first game of the year. On the so cover. This is going to be great. Uh, Bears are 1-0, Super Bowl bound. Do you know how many games <laughs> they won that year? They won four more. I believe they yes. were five and eleven. Five and okay. eleven. It was all. It went all downhill. Uh, you remember this um, in our segment of nineteen eighties Bears football, where they were beating the Vikings in Minnesota twenty to nothing, and uh, Harbaugh. The Bears had the ball inside their own twenty, but they had a twenty point lead in the fourth quarter, second half. Might have been the fourth quarter, and Harbaugh gave up a pick six. And it was a play where he audibled out of whatever, you know, whatever call Ditka or Greg Landry had, had called in. And Ditka, like, tore, and then Minnesota just got the momentum. They beat the Bears 21 to 20. Things sp- spir- spiraled out of control. Ditka just threw Harbaugh under the bus. Hey, you got a quarterback who thinks he knows more than the coach, blah, blah, blah. You know, as Ditka was wont to do. Um, and yeah, it's that was his last season, as it turns out. So that's great, sports. <laughs> that that the Lions game was the first game of the year. You might remember they had a fourth down at the the two yard line at Soldier Field with like five seconds left, and he hit Tommy Waddle for the winner with like a second left. Um, but yeah, they won they won four more games that year, and Ditka was gone, and then we entered the desert for the last seventeen years. With when we did make a we did make another Super Bowl appearance, but you know, kind of slim pickings. So besides in, that, in nineteen ninety two, were you at NIU? I was a junior living at one fifty five Harrison with all the hippies and stoners uh, over by Kishwaukee River. Yep, right, I was Street. in. I was in ten oh eight in uh, Grant South. We were A, and um, you I were remember the floor. Huh? Sorry, I asked if you were on the death floor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. No, but just two floors down from where the cool guys, the twenty-one and over kids, live. <laughs> That's what you ought to be when you're twenty-one—is living in the dorms at NIU. <laughs> um, so I I remember most of what happened on Sunday, October fourth, nineteen ninety-two. So oh, this is a this is a an epic day in. Uh, my history and uh, my liver someday will give out completely because of this. So my, f- I'm going to sound like Bill Simmons cause I'm going to refer to my friend by his nickname, but my friend wheels and I are watching, <laughs> we're watching the game, you know, the bears up 20, nothing. This is going to be great. And we had been talking about, um, when there was a, a famous story about Paul Newman, when he was at the height of his alcoholism, he claimed he drank a case of beer a day. And we were like, how is that even possible to do that every day? And so as the game started to spiral out of control, we decided that seemed like a pretty good day to each drink a case of beer. Okay. So um, Neil's friend, Asshole, showed up uh, just about the end of the game. Wheels friend? Yes, wheels friend, asshole. Uh-huh. Another South Suburban kid. Um, and uh, asshole's girlfriend, beautiful. Um, she was it, was... it may have been an ironic nickname that we gave like her. Sli- like Slim for a fat guy? <laughs> she had a really good... Um, she had a really good fake ID. So the three of us, we pooled our money together and we sent, to her, the bottle to, store. We sent her to the bottle store where she came through like a trooper. She didn't just buy us each a case of beer. She bought us all a 30-pack of Old Style Light. So between 3 p.m. and probably, uh, I'd say 9 o'clock, we, the three of us, drank 90 cans of beer. Impressive. Five beers an hour for six hours. So Since you started at oh, three, more. I'm assuming... They, you were oh, drowning your sorrows after the beer. You didn't. You didn't do this. Yeah, we didn't even send her out. I'm sure, and we. I'm sure we drank. We had a couple of beers during the game just to get started. But we all. Had we prim- all. Had, we all finished our thirty packs. Um. Before and the reason that I know that it didn't go until like midnight was, um. I was a sophomore. My freshman roommate, 
um, had he had been gone for the weekend. That's why we were in my room watching the game. And typically when he would come home, um, he would just come up to the room. Well, this time <laughs> he, his, he decided he was going to show his mom and dad his room. Well, we had been taking the empties <laughs> and we made this huge pyramid on his bed. And so we're just sitting there now. We're all completely obliterated. And we hear the Wait, door. We hear no, the door Not actually on, on his bed, but like that sort of cubby that, that the bed folded into, right? Yeah, it may have started on the bolster, but I think at some point it, it, it actually yeah, worked right. its way onto the bed. Okay, To make the right. pyramid. And so I, rem- I distinctly remember this part. The door starts to open up, and we can hear him talking to somebody. And we're looking at each other like, oh, but his parents are there. We didn't, by that point, we didn't care. So he opens up the door. His bed was on the side of the room, where as he opened the door, he immediately saw his bed. He didn't have to open the door all the way to see it. His door opened up about two feet, and it just stopped. And then uh, he's like, oh. Uh, I uh, he's trying to come up with the. He's like, uh, I think Eddie just got out of the shower. Slams the door, takes his mom and dad. He's banging his girlfriend. <laughs> oh no, not 1992. He would have known not to have, not to have used that as a. Well, it was true. My it took me a while in college to you know finally, um, make Tell any make guy. any headway with the ladies that didn't involve a a party at at. Uh, Evan Scholars. It was the only place before oh. then that I could ever, you know, get any get get any um, <laughs> attention. I knew some Evan Scholar. Were you an Evan Scholar? No, I you knew I knew a couple. Oh, no, God, no, 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 no. I did not work as a caddy in high school. So anyway, that's I. So I remember that night. I remember that day. You know, I think I'm sure that as Ditka was chewing Harbaugh out. And we were t- all telling this, all debating whether or not, you know, skinny little Paul Newman could really have drink, drunk a case of beer every day. That that <laughs> was like, I think we need to find out today if we can do it. And so we did. And with a bonus. That's good. Because of a, because of a wonderful, um, because G. Heilman had this great sale, this great promotion, that we all got an extra six beers out of it. Yeah, I always associate 30 picks. Uh, in high school, I'm, I know it was the '80s, so we tended to be delinquents. Strohs had thirty had thirty packs. Now, the thing I remember so. about the aftermath of the thirty drinking a thirty pack was I woke up the next day and I did not have a hangover. Um, I may have taken several. Very strange dumps that day. Yeah, and but otherwise, I actually got up. I remember thinking, I was like, because I went to class in the morning. I'm like, I don't feel that bad. I'm, just, I, I'm fine. I don't have to skip class today. I remember Did thinking, you, uh, this is how this is how people become functional alcoholics. Right. <laughs> you just drink for a long, slow, you just nice, long, consistent amount of time, and you, know, you can handle some of it. Perhaps you had eaten your weight in bear nuggets. Andy, thus soaking up all of the uh, alcohol. Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. I would guess. I would guess that as we as beautiful went off to the bottle store, one of us went on a Luclos run because that was our our nuggets nuggets of choice. Right now, that that you know, I mentioned Sergeant Peppers because if you know your local lore, that's where beer nuggets were invented. However, Luclos was the go-to because you would get like the big all right. Just one quick story. When I was a freshman, we lived in Grant North, my freshman year, 1990-91. And we just thought if we pulled together all the loose change that we had um, <laughs> to order as many beer nuggets, and we went around the floor. We, we had a pretty pretty rowdy floor, and people were pretty game for anything. And we managed to just – and this is kind of a shitty thing you know, for the poor delivery driver. But, you know, we were struggling co- college freshmen. But we ended up pulling together enough change on the floor to get like four of those big old bags of beer nuggets from Lucalo's. And I don't remember who it was that had to go downstairs and like give this bucket of change to the poor <laughs> delivery driver. But I, I just associate like those brown paper bags. By the time the delivery guy showed up, the bottom of the bag was already translucent, you know, with, with the, uh, the grease from yeah. the Lucalo's. Those, and they would, they would double bag them. 
And right. still within minutes, this grease would have worked its way through both bags. <laughs> I think for any of our listeners that didn't spend any time in DeKalb, uh, just to know a beer nugget is simply fried pizza dough that you would uh, take and dip into marinara sauce. They actually, the, the Rosati's in the Chicago area, the suburbs, will have, they don't call it beer nuggets, but they have, they call it like breadsticks, which is just laughable. But I've been, I've been part of like, you know, where I used to work, sometimes they would order out Rosati's and they, they would have them. And I'm like going around the room, like to anybody that would give me the time of day, trying to explain these aren't these aren't breadsticks; these are beer nuggets. See, they it's just deep fried pizza dough that you dip into uh, the sauce that they provide. They don't well, call it beer nuggets because we're outside of DeKalb County or Sycamore County, but no, DeKalb County. Sycamore is the county seat. But just months later, after this, after the that loss to the Vikings. Um, my wheels called me. He was, it was right before New Year's. He'd gone back to DeKalb for a couple of days and he had horrible news. <laughs> Luclos had caught fire. Yep. And I, I remember telling, saying to him, well, I'm not going to be there for like four more days, but it'll still be burning. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll, I'll swing by. It'll still be burning. And so they, <laughs> then they moved into that old, was it a Hardee's? It used yeah. to be a Hardee's. Yeah. So they moved into the Hardys, and then um, I was gone by then. But they yeah. moved a couple of times, and they were um, they just closed for good last year. Really? Yes, they had relocated up Annie Glidden just a little bit. Um, north so or got, south um, of Lincoln north. Highway? They were like right across from the Seven Eleven by Burritoville. Yeah. Okay. And I just noticed that Burritoville has a food truck now. Who in the world is going to is gonna have the Burritoville food truck show up? No one has ever enjoyed anything at Burritoville before midnight, ever. True. Now, it was great after midnight. Some of my fondest memories of stumbling home was a quick stop at Burritoville where we would always do the same thing, and one of us would always, you know, because they had on the menu you could get brains. You could get a Say brains so. yep. burrito. Sesos. Yes, and we always, we, somebody would always offer to pay for somebody else to eat that, and none of us ever would. Never did it. Um, but yeah, so I've been a bird of them many times and enjoyed it many times. I went there one time. My cousin was helping me move one year, and we stopped at Burritoville to eat during the daytime. <laughs> and I was like, uh, it's a different experience. But yeah, so if you want, you can have, we, you know, we should have a party. We should have an end of the season party, and we'll get the Burritoville food. Uh, food truck sure. road trip let's make it out to DeKalb man I'll meet you there so that'll be fun alright so uh, that's quite a podcast we had we started off with a little uh, we made fun of Iowa for a while then yep. we had some f- we had some football history uh, then we actually talked about the Bears for a while and then we ended up yep. uh, telling stories about uh, being at NIU in the 90s NIU sure, in the early to mid 90s yeah I'm sure people were really <laughs> fired up about that I can't if we, I always joke we should give a prize to anybody who makes the end of the podcast. I guarantee you there would be no one to claim it in this one. So, I bet you Oleg's still listening. Yeah, he's yelling at the phone about all the th- all the things we got wrong about him. <laughs> I expect a I expect no, a no. long series of tweets. I he doesn't remember. Well, that's true. All right. Well, uh, it's it's nice. I don't think a month ago that we thought that this Packer game would have any real significance for the Bears, and it nope. it, it only kind of does, but at least it kind of does. They're um, still alive after that Eagles game. That was the nadir for me. Um, you know, really the end of the first half of that Eagles game, but they still. By the time Adam Shaheen mishandled the uh, squig swig pit at the end. It felt like all right, it's it's over. So if you told me then that that they would still be quote unquote in the hunt, uh, still alive. Look, if they win, doesn't matter what else happens. They're still technically alive. Yeah. And if they win and something crazy happens in L.A. and I'm looking at it, you know, Minnesota's been playing well. The Chargers are only five and eight, but they can put up some points, and uh, they've got a decent defense. And it's not like you know the high flying. Minnesota offense with Kirk Cousins is really that uh, 
daunting. So maybe, you know, who knows? They can drag that down into a, uh, a slog and steal one. And then, you know, like you said at the beginning, still got to worry about the Rams. Uh, the Rams will have to face the Niners. You hope that the Niners still have an incentive. They might not, which would really suck. Other than that, the Rams will also play the Cowboys, which they'll obviously have an incentive unless the Eagles – well, no, they do. The Cowboys will have something to play for uh, the rest of the way. And that's going. That's this weekend. So we should have a pretty good idea um, after this weekend of where we stand. Even if the Bears win and those other two teams win, it's probably not going to happen. But I guess we'll find out when we you know, reconvene in a week. But Well, you mentioned Shaheen and – you see how low the bar is for when the the Bears got production out of J.P. Holtz and Jesper Horstead, and all of a sudden the offense right. works better. That's how bad. Um, Imagine Trey if Burton, Shaheen although, yes, was. Yes, I know he's been hurt. And Shaheen had been that they couldn't even they couldn't even simulate the impact of J.P. Holtz and Jesper fucking Horstead. Thanks. Uh, imagine if Shaheen was even like 30% of what they thought they were getting when they drafted him. It's, just, it's maddening. Because, yeah, they just pick these two guys off the streets and they it's get more production. Somewhere in, the, somewhere in the multiverse, there's a Bears team that has uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing to George Kittle. <laughs> it just is. I want to go live on that planet because... Well, I don't want to... Fin- I don't want to finish on that note. I'm just going to say that the Rams' next two games are the Cowboys and the Chargers and the 49ers, and if somehow they need any help, who knows, maybe they'll shit the tub against the Cardinals in Week 17. But, we'll, you know, that's who uh, – Week 17 is not looking good. The You know, the Packers are at the Lions. Well, who cares about the Packers? But um, it's it's got to be in the next two weeks. Those teams have to start losing. So, but I think it's more realistic to uh, hope for the Rams to lose to the Cowboys and then just, you know, hope that, um, uh, that the bears knock off green Bay, wake them up a little bit. Green Bay is pissed off. And then they, uh, they take it out in the Vikings the next week, setting up what we want. And that the 49ers are still incentivized to knock off the Rams. So, uh, it's like hitting an inside straight, but stranger things have happened. Yep. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance, man. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. This is fun, and uh, we will tune in next week, and or we won't tune in. People can tune in to us next week. We'll either have the post mortem on the entire season, or yep, we will still be looking ahead to yet another somewhat meaningful game. So it'd be a hell of a thing if we carry this through the whole season, meaning the bears were alive. So I'll take it. All right. We'll see you next week.